In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Beloved in the Lord, let us draw near with a true heart and confess our sins to God our Father, asking him in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to grant us forgiveness. Our help is in the name of the Lord, who made heaven and earth. I said I will confess my transgression unto the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Holy and merciful Father, I confess that I am by nature sinful and that I have disobeyed you in my thoughts, words, and actions. I have done what is evil and failed to do what is good. For this I deserve your punishment, both now and in eternity. But I am truly sorry for my sins. And trusting in my Savior, Jesus Christ, I pray, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. God, our Heavenly Father, has been merciful to us and has given his only Son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Therefore, as a called servant of Christ and by his authority, I forgive you all your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. be to God on high and The Lord be with you. 
Let us pray. O Lord, we implore you, let your continual pity cleanse and defend your church. And because she cannot continue in safety without your aid, preserve her evermore by your help and goodness. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. The first lesson for the 15th Sunday after Trinity is written in the first book of Kings, chapter 17. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah. Go at once to Zarephath of Sidon and stay there. I have commanded a widow in that place to supply you with food. So he went to Zarephath. When he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called to her and asked, Would you bring me a little water in a jar so I may have a drink? As she was going to get it, he called, And bring me, please, a piece of bread. As surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. I'm gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go home and do as you have said, but first make a small cake of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me, and then make something for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. The, f- the jar of flour will not be used up, and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord gives rain on the land. She went away and did as Elijah had told her. So there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family. For the jar of flour was not used up, and the jug of oil did not run dry, in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
The second lesson is recorded in St. Paul's letter to the Galatians, chapters 5 and 6. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. Brothers, if someone is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently. But watch yourself, or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Each one should test his own actions. Then he can take pride in himself without comparing himself to somebody else, for each one should carry his own load. Anyone who receives instruction in the word must share all good things with his instructor. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. The one who sows to please his sinful nature, from that nature will reap destruction. The one who sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the sixth chapter. Glory be to you, O Lord. The words of Jesus. No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise be to you, O Christ. Following stanza two of the hymn, you are invited to sing the printed hymn stanza printed in the ordo.
Grace and peace to you from God the Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus. I don't think that there is a single one among us who will disagree or argue with Jesus in his words to us in today's gospel. Not just because he's Jesus, but what, because what he tells us is obviously true. What he says makes all the sense in the word. His, his admonition, his argumentation is entirely reasonable and logically. He tells us, do not worry. Who of us would argue? And tell him, no, no, Jesus, you're mistaken. Worrying has been a great blessing to my life. It's changed everything. It's made everything that I feared turn out to go well. It's kept away all evil things that I dreaded, all the disasters, simply by my worrying about it. No. He tells us, do not worry, and he backs it up with, with rational reasons that no one can argue with. More precisely, he reveals the folly of our worries. They don't make any sense. Truth is, they don't accomplish anything. Who of you, he asks, who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life or anything else? Does it work? Does, does fretting about what might happen tomorrow affect what happens tomorrow? Does worrying about your children's well-being and care protect your children from harm? Does worrying about the weather make it rain? Does worrying about your finances improve your bottom line? Does your fear over what someone will say to you if you talk to them improve your relationship with them? Jesus' point, going over and over something in your mind doesn't do any good. And our experience agrees. It, teaches, it shows us that, that it only hurts. That worrying about tomorrow only makes today miserable. His other argument is a, is a simple, logical argument from the lesser to the greater if God cares for, if God supplies the needs of little birds and little flowers, if he provides for such small, insignificant, unimportant things, how much more you? And so every one of us will agree that worrying is dumb and that it doesn't do anything productive. We all know this, we all agree, And yet, I am quite sure, there is not a single one of us who can stop it. Even though we know better. Even though we've been told. Even though we know we're not supposed to and we, we don't want to and we know that it does no good. We don't want to do it, but we just can't help from doing the one thing that Jesus says, don't. Rather than for us to therefore conclude that what Jesus says here just can't be done. That perhaps he doesn't mean it as a command command. Sort of like good advice, take it or leave it. We must conclude that it really only proves Jesus' point. The point that he makes at the beginning of our gospel section when Jesus says, no one can serve two masters. Either we will listen to God, love, fear, and trust in God above all things, or not. And we will serve instead our true master. In this example, Jesus uses, you cannot serve both God and money, is our translation. The, the word he uses is the word mammon. It's a word for, for worldly wealth. It's bigger than money, I would say. 
Worldly wealth, the stuff of this world, food, clothes, pleasure, physical health, all good gifts. But a tyrannical taskmaster. Because there's no end to it. And you always have to have it, and you're always wanting more. And the more that you have, the more that you need to work to keep, to take care of, to ensure, to worry about. And the more you need to keep having, keeping up the desire for more. Master Mammon just keeps growing bigger and stronger and exerts more influence over us. And this is not just physical, financial stuff. We can do this with with other gifts of God. We can do this with, with people even. We do it all the time. And we place uh, and our place in their lives and opinions, what, what they think of us. You see, when we confess that we are by nature sinful, we are confessing that by nature our default master is mammon, that which is not God. And we, by nature, are therefore devoted to the one and in truth despise the other. That is why we can't stop worrying, why it is such a universal thing for all of us, because we do not love, trust, or fear God. Even though we know better, even if we don't want to do it, our reason and our wills are bound to master mammon. Therefore, the, the answer to this problem, the solution, is not to be found, is not going to be found in our reason, with all the proper information, if only we knew, or our will, if we would just try harder to stop it. It's not going to be told it's not by, by convincing you that worrying doesn't do anything, we'll, we'll do it. And it's not by telling you, even shouting at you loudly, stop it. It doesn't help. For the answer, let us notice two things in Jesus' exhortation, his reasonable exhortation. Two things that he doesn't really argue, that Jesus simply asserts. He just says. The first is a question. Jesus asks, are you not much more valuable than they? There's an ask, a question that assumes an answer. Are you not much more valuable than they? He's talking about the birds, and he's asserting that you are more valuable than they. Are you? Are you sure? There are many people today that would question that. They would challenge that assertion that, that human beings are more valuable than animals just because we're at the top of the food chain or we're the most highly developed. But are you? How do you know? If, if the answer is yes, so you are more valuable than the birds, then stop and think what makes it so? Why is that true? If not evolution or something. You and I could go, we could go open our Bibles to Genesis and, and see God's creation of mankind as the, as the crown of his creation and, and God's command to, to, for man to have dominion over the rest of creation. That's true. But I think even more, more helpful is this, more, a more certain proof is Jesus. It's that God chose to come down from heaven and take the flesh of a man to save men so that he would be with them forever. God did not come down at Christmas as a bird to save the birds. 
He didn't come down as a flower to save the flowers. And when he did that, he didn't even come down dressed like a flower or a bird. Not nearly as attractive. Not nearly as dressed. He doesn't come dressed like Solomon, like a king with all the luxuries of the rich. He did not live a life with every physical pleasure and extravagance. Jesus lived a life with needs, with lack. He lived a life with the possibility of danger and disease and even death. So, so you have needs and wants and possibilities of tragedy or disaster that may come upon you, all kinds of terrible things of which we are bound to worry. So did he. You have people that you care for and bad things that could happen to you or to your loved ones and live in a world where not everyone loves you and everything you do or say. So did he. Do you know what we call this? This truth that Jesus entered into your worry-filled world in your flesh to take your place in it? We could call that the kingdom of God and his righteousness. It's for God to say in his wisdom, I, the Lord your God, in my son, want to carry all your worries too. To serve God as master is to let him, to trust in him, and let him be your heavenly father. That's the second thing that Jesus just asserts. He does it twice. He says, your heavenly father. Your heavenly father feeds them, the birds. Though Jesus does not make the birds his brothers and sisters, but you. And your heavenly Father knows that you need these things. All of the worries. All of the things for which you are concerned. He knows that you need them. Because your brother lived among these same needs. And in him he wants to give you all things that you need without your worries simply by faith in him. So so it's not just as easy as saying, don't worry, be happy, to stop. It's not found in information or motivation or a reason or will. I can't convince you. And frankly, it's not something that we will ever rid ourselves of completely as long as we bear this fallen flesh. But if you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, if you have him, him for you, if you believe him and what he asserts about your value in your brother, Jesus Christ, if you continually take refuge in the arms of your heavenly Father, showing you all that he gives, all that he continually gives you, what you need and more, Then what's more, he gives you a new mind, a new heart, a new will, a new life. He does care for every one of your needs. You can trust him. Amen. Please do. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. We join now in confessing the Christian faith using the Nicene Creed. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty.
Let us pray for the whole Church of God in Christ Jesus and for all people according to their needs. O God, you have set your reign and your righteousness before us in the person of your Son, Jesus Christ. Help us always look to him who has saved us from our sins, constantly seeking him above all things. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. O Lord, you have poured out your Spirit on your church, that the gospel of your kingdom would be believed throughout the world. Bless the proclamation of your word by the pastors and missionaries you have sent, that many would hear and believe. Lord, in your mercy, God, our Heavenly Father, you have clothed creation in glorious dress and provide even more for all our needs of body and soul. Forgive us for our anxiety and worry. Help us always look to you for every good thing, trusting that as our loving Heavenly Father, you will never leave us without the things we need. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Blessed Lord, you have prepared an abundance of good works in advance for us to do in Christ's name. Help us in our daily lives to work hard, pay an honest wage, and be a blessing to our employers, employees, and customers. Protect us from seeking wealth for our own sakes. Rather, teach us rightly to use all your gifts for the benefit of our neighbors. Have mercy on the unemployed, that they would entrust their days and burdens to your heavenly, your fatherly hand. Lord, in your mercy. Almighty God, guard and keep our president, our governor, and all leaders in our land, that they would rule according to your will and righteous decrees. Guard and keep those who serve in our armed forces. Bring our nation to repentance for everything it celebrates contrary to your will, especially the scourge of abortion and the destruction of marriage. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Lord Jesus Christ, receive our thanks for hearing our prayers on behalf of Terry Frank, who has successfully undergone surgery, and for giving to the surgeon and medical team the skills that have been effectually administered. Restore her fully to health and strength in your time and according to your good and gracious will. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Increase our faith, O Lord, and grant that all who come to your supper may come in repentance, seeking your forgiveness, and in the unity of a true confession. Lord, in your mercy, into your hands, O Lord, we commend all for whom we pray, trusting in your mercy, through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is truly good and right that we should at all times and in all places give you thanks, O Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and Everlasting God, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who having created all things, took on human flesh and was born of the Virgin Mary. For our sake he died on the cross and rose from the dead to put an end to death thus fulfilling your will and gaining for you a holy people. Therefore, with all the saints on earth and hosts of heaven, we praise your holy name and join their glorious song. Almighty and most merciful Father, send down upon us the grace of your Holy Spirit, and through your Holy Word be pleased to bless and sanctify these your gifts of bread and wine, that they may be the body and the blood of your most dearly beloved Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. 
And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take eat, this is my body, which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Therefore, O Lord, according to his institution, we, your servants, celebrate here before your divine majesty with these your holy gifts, the commemoration your son has willed us to make. Remembering his blessed passion, mighty resurrection, and glorious ascension, we give you most hearty thanks for the innumerable benefits he has secured for us. And we humbly ask you to grant that by his merits and death and through faith in his blood, we and your whole church may receive forgiveness of sins and all other benefits of his passion through the same Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Taught by our Lord and trusting his promises, we are bold to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you always.
O give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, and his mercy endures forever. We give thanks, Almighty God, that you have refreshed us with this Holy Supper. We pray that through it you will strengthen our faith in you and increase our love for one another. We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you peace.